from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, as well as on Facebook Live on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. Happy to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. And it's always an honor to have a Syracuse alumni here on the broadcast. We've had so many players uh, over the years, different decades from basketball and, and football and whatnot, and, and love connecting with uh, all of the programs and, and speaking with them. There's a long list of basketball players that have joined us here on the airwaves of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And we get to add a new one today in Andre Hawkins. And Andre Hawkins, a teammate of Sonny Spira. So it's an awesome Monday and an awesome way to start off the week by having these former teammates and forever teammates joining us here back-to-back on the show. So with that being said, let's bring him into the show. Andre, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Good morning. And Andre, for you, uh, coming from Melbourne, New York, uh, bring me into that because Syracuse basketball has consistently you know, recruited the Northeast and recruited, you know, the state of New York and whatnot. What does that mean to you coming from Melbourne, New York, that uh, that you were recruited to go there and that Jim Beheim and the staff saw something in you? Well, I, I think one of the things that really helped me uh, make the decision was I was New York State Player of the Year in 1981, and uh, they brought Roosevelt Bowie, who was also a former New York State Player of the Year. So meeting him and, and, and uh, visiting Syracuse really helped helped out. Uh, for me, back then, I remember on my visit, uh, they played St. John's. And to go into the Dome with, I, I can't even remember how many people, over 20-something thousand people there. And for Syracuse to be down almost 20 points and hadn't scored a bucket and the people kept clapping and standing the whole time it was amazing because they came back and won that game and i knew i wanted to be a part of that you know and and for you like you said roosevelt Bowie was involved in you know your recruitment what can you tell me about your interaction with him and and how he was involved in, in the recruitment of getting you to syracuse well, um, the, when Coach Behan came to my school to visit, he brought uh, Roosevelt Bowie with him. And it was like, whoa, you know, and it was just amazing. And, and you know, as a, as a young kid, you just, you're kind of in awe. And, you, and at that age, I don't, I didn't see a lot of seven-footers. You know, you saw big guys, but you didn't see that many of them. So it, it was just uh, a little icing on the cake, I guess to say. For you, Andre, to be a part of Syracuse basketball history, the brotherhood is always growing. It's tight-knit, and Jim Beheim is so welcoming of former players coming back. What does that mean to you that, you know, when the current players are playing, 
that they become a part of the family and that, you know, not just you, but, you know, Sonny Spira and Gene Waldron, Dale Shackelford, Roosevelt Bowie, John Wallace, uh, Lawrence Moten, and, and, and on and on and on. You know, these guys come back and they, you know, go to the games and, and they still feel connected to the program. What does that mean to you that there is this brotherhood and that Jim Beheim's door has been open for that? Well, you, you know it's orange for life. And, and it's a good feeling, you know, and just, it just, it just makes you feel good inside, of course, um, and, and dealing with that, um, you know, I never really thought about it because I guess it's always been there, you know, for me, um, it just, like I said, you know, makes you feel good that you were a part of something that was positive and, and good guys and stuff like that, so, you know. Matt, coming here from Andre Hawkins this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Andre, when we look back at your playing days, you played uh, in the early to mid-80s, uh, 1981 through 1985. What can you tell me about your experience at Syracuse? When you look back at those memories, what sticks out the most to you from playing for Syracuse from 81 to 85? Uh, what, what are some of those memorable pieces of your history? Oh, it was to me, I guess it's just uh, you know, it's when the Big East was was just really starting. I think we were in the second year of the Big East, and and it was just phenomenal. Um, obviously, you, you you know the fact that uh, a, a league with I think it was nine teams, and out of nine teams every year, eight to nine teams went postseason, and that's pretty phenomenal. So, you know, we were competing, obviously, at that time with the ACC, and we held our own. So, you know, just really amazing year. Class of 80, um, 81 out of high school was very strong, very strong class. You know, we had Ewing, Mullins, Pinkney, you know, Keith Lee, uh, obviously my own teammates, Sonny Sparrow, and uh, Peter Wynn. Very good, very good class. So, you know, I just got proud and to be a part of that. What was it like for you, Andre, to go up against? I mean, you you mentioned some of these guys that uh, that you had to play against in, in the Big East and, you know, the early years of the Big East. What are some of the memories that you have about some of the matchups that you had and just what you could say about some of these very notable players that you had to go up against, you know, throughout an entire game and, and throughout your time at Syracuse? Well, I was blessed to have um, played against some of the great great centers in the league from Elijah Wan to Ewing to Bill Winnington and Pinkney. And, and I guess the funny thing is always being on the shorter end of the stick and but holding my own, uh, you know, I always used to laugh. I, I felt like uh, I started every game, never missed a game, and probably my only claim to fame. So, you know, it was it was some tough tough battles, uh, but uh, we came out on top a, a bunch of times, probably more times than people realize. You know, and uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity, and you know, I wish I could get up there more. You know, and you're you're down in Georgia now. Uh, you and your wife started a 
a dog grooming company and whatnot down in Georgia. Tell us about that. You know, what's life like after basketball? Because I think, you know, uh, young kids, you ask them what they want to do and they want to be an athlete and it's the one thing on their head. And, you know, some of them get to do it. A lot of, a lot of people don't have that opportunity. And no matter what, if you do or you don't, there's life after playing sports and you and your wife started your own company a few years back. So tell me about what life has been like after basketball. Oh, I mean, like you just said, life goes on. You, you play, you, you you play as long as you can, and, and, and you, you, you have a love, and, and hopefully you play as long as you have that love in your heart. For me, I, I ended up uh, being blessed to have a uh, go overseas for a short stint. I went to Greece and played, and but it, you kind of realize that if you don't have that, burning, burning, burning desire to play, you know, and just keep chasing the dream that it's time to move on. Uh, I was blessed to have always had a high school coach who pushed education and coaches, all, actually every coach I ever had, made sure uh, that you get your degree and that you get your education and then from there you go forward. Like most people, you start out thinking one thing and you never know where you're going to end up being, and you, you, you pray and uh, for for people that believe. You, you pray for direction and where you um, where you want to go. And for me, uh, my wife uh, was was my soulmate. So we we have done a lot of different things over the years. So as far as um, working, when you got to work, you got to go. <laughs> So you gotta earn a living, and so we ended up. Uh, we've done dog grooming for years uh, before this. Um, when I used to live out in Colorado, so we decided to uh, give it another shot, and we've enjoyed it. It's a doggy bathhouse uh, out of Alpharetta, Georgia. So for you, you know, having this this doggy bathhouse in Alpharetta, Georgia. What, what does that do for you? I mean, I know it's totally different than being a basketball player, but do you find, you know, a passion for it and a love for it? I mean, does it, does it you know, pump you up? Does it invigorate oh, yeah. you to go to, to go to work? Oh, yeah, you got to love it because, um, well, I'm, I'm a dog lover. I'm not just a dog person. I don't just like dogs. I love dogs. We've had dogs all our lives. Well, Ever since I got, uh, I was a little kid growing up in New York, we had dogs. Now the difference is, for me, you know, dogs were pets back then, and now they're just a part of my family. So, you know, and it's different. And it's something that is rewarding when, when you can have a dog that maybe not have been in the greatest of shape, uh, you know, as far as the owner may not know how to brush and how to take care of the dog's coat. And for us to be able to get that ooh and ah and, and be like, wow, you know, that's what we call the wow factor, and we, and which we do so often. You know, I, I can tell a story about a little girl we had. We, uh, it was a shih tzu. And the girl was in bad shape as far as um, the coat was very badly matted and the girl could barely see the hair had grown up over the eyes and everything. And after we finished the dog and called the owner to come in, the little girl was like, uh, where's my dog? We 
said, that's your dog. She said, that's not my dog. That dog is beautiful. And he said, no, that's your dog. And she said, no. She said, and the little girl and the dog had this little dance where the dog would stand up. And if she made these little, I guess, little uh, music sound, the dog would go into a little prance. And the little girl was so uh, surprised. When she did it, the dog went into the prance. And she said, oh, my God, that's my dog. <laughs> and, so, and I realized, how could you not know your dog? But, I mean, unfortunately, and, and fortunately for us, but people, you know, sometimes things happen where dogs get in, uh, you know, whether it rains a lot or or gets out in the mud or, you know, things like that, that we're, we're here for them, you know, to make it right. So. You know, and that's really awesome. And I have a dog, her name's Lily, and she's a Havanese Cuban dog. And, you know, she's she and she dances, too. And they were actually bred to do that. So she'll stand on her back legs and she could back up on it and stay up the whole time and just like and literally just stand and it's uh, it's pretty pretty incredible. But I I love what you said, um, you know, uh, when we were talking here with Andre Hawkins, a Syracuse Orange basketball alum from eighty one to eighty five. You know, Andre, uh, I treat my my dog as my little girl. You know, I do, yeah. she's she's my daughter. She's part of my you know she's my family. She treats me like yeah. a dad. She's She's very protective. She'll she'll like if she wants me to pick her up, she'll jump on my leg. If she needs something, she'll bark and direct me toward it. So, you know, I'm unapologetic in, in calling her my kid and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's I mean to me it's you know, that's that's my little girl, that's that's my daughter, that's my family. Yeah, we we had a, a vet year when we got our first dog as a couple, ask us, you know, is it you know it, Said to world, are you going? Is this going to be a pet or a family member? You know, we had to think about it. You know, it was like, wow, that's that's a very interesting question. But they they, they are family. Uh, you know, and a person once told me that if you can raise a dog, you can raise a child because the difference is a dog is a child that never grows up. He he or she will always need you. You know, because they can't go get their own food. They can't take themselves out. You know, they're going to always need you to be there for them. So, you know, I always thought about that. And years later, you know, it's just like you said, there's, there's no apology. And there's people, you know, we, we run into that, that that don't get it. But that's, you know, to each his own. To each his own, you know. But that's why we're here. We try to educate and and to explain certain things to people and what they should and shouldn't do. And you know, we help them out. So it's been it's been really really good. And coming here from Andre Hawkins, uh, Andre, for you uh, to go back into Melbourne before we get back into Syracuse here. I'm looking at it on a map, and you know, you you were by uh, North Lynbrook and some of these other areas here i'm looking at some of these places uh hyde park and whatnot what was life like growing up in, in melbourne tell me about it where did you hang out what did you do do you ever go back there what can you say about it oh i grew up in a, a little area called lakeview and lakeview didn't have its own post uh, post office because there was another lakeview new york so we never, they never changed the name. So our area was broken up into West Hempstead and Rockville Center. So, you know, it, 
it was a predominantly black, uh, little small black community, but the high school that I went to was approximately 50-50. So uh, Malvern was where, uh, I guess, basically the, uh, the, the, the white people lived, and we lived in Lakeview. So growing up there was it was nice. I mean, it was, you know, it was a blessing because you, you really, you didn't really think about race. At least I didn't. I, I was blessed to have, uh, not have to worry about that, even though I was born in the 60s and brought up in the 70s and, and on, on Long Island. So for me, it was a little bit different. My, my, I, I feel like my parents uh, sheltered us from a lot of the craziness that's even going on today, you know. But for me, sports always made the difference. It always kept me right, always uh, kept me out of trouble, you know, because I always wanted to play. And we had basically no nonsense coaches. So if you got in trouble, you didn't play, you didn't go to, you know, classes, you didn't play, you know, and when you want to play, you take care of what you're supposed to do. So, you know, but as far as hanging out, it was always, at that time, it was ball, you know. Uh, I grew up in a, a nice town that had two nice courts and, and that's a, you know, great tradition. And uh, just wanted to be a part of that. You know, I always said that if we could just do half of what the guys that came before us did, it, we would be all right, you know. And they had already won county championships before I got there, and we were blessed to have won two state championships. So, you know, I played with some great guys there that I'm still in contact with. So, you know, ball, ball is life, man. <laughs> You know, for a lot of people, they they don't get that reward or get that opportunity, and it is uh, truly a blessing. So, you know, and like you said, ball ball is life. You know, something that means something to you uh, that goes deeper than wins and losses and whatnot. Uh, bring me into that, and how do you keep ball in your life today? How do you how do you keep that spirit of basketball alive? How do you keep that that love constantly? Uh, groomed, so to speak, even though you're not playing anymore. I, I think you become more. You become a fan. You become a fan. I, for years, I didn't really know what it was like to be a fan of the game. I mean, I, I appreciated the game. I respected the game, but it was kind of different when I, for me, as a player. So, you know, I, I didn't grow up where I, I watched all the time that type of thing. I, I played is what I kind of did when I was growing up. But then as I, uh, when I had my, my first son is where I became a fan of the game, you know, and I didn't realize how excited or how hyped up you could get just sitting there watching somebody else play. So, you know, I was blessed to have had a son that uh, actually ended up playing against Syracuse, which was interesting, you know, so. That that was nice too. He ended up playing against uh, Tony uh, Red Bruin's son, also. So you know, uh, and then to have him play against Leo, Leo's son, you know that that was that was nice, Andy. So you know, and just being a fan is how you you kind of stay back into it. And then, of course, you have all the discussions as to who's the greatest, who's the greatest you ever played against, you know, those type of things. So. So for you, Andre, when 
Uh, I want to give a shout out <clears throat> to your son. So share every, you know, share with everybody uh, his name and who did he play for? It because it's really cool that he got to play against, uh, you know, your teammate Tony Red Bruin's son. He got to play against uh, Leo Routon's son as well, Andy, which is awesome. So share with everybody who doesn't know uh, your son's name and who he played for. Oh, his name is uh, well, he was Andre Hawkins Jr. or is Andre Hawkins Jr. Uh, he played for Canisius his first year in uh, college, and then he went on to uh, D two school down in uh, Florida, Florida Southern, so down in Lakeland, Georgia. So hey, Andre or AJ, as we call him. So you know, what was it like? A, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you got it. Go ahead. No, I was I was just gonna say, you know, for you to play is something, you know, wonderful and you know, you lived out a dream that you had, like you said, you got to play overseas professionally too and, and whatnot. What's it like like you play and that's a dream that you have. But when AJ plays, when your son plays, what was that like for you and how did you experience that like basketball through that angle of it because it's it's one thing to be the player themselves but then when you've played you know what it means to you and then your son's like dad i want to play like what what are the thoughts and the emotions that sh that you've experienced watching your son have his own dreams and then like you know obviously some of those dreams being very similar to yours it, it, it makes you proud and, and, and happy. Uh, for me, I, I tried to, you know, steer him in the right direction. But, he, you know, I, I realized, one, he's not me, and, and I'm not him. And, you know, as, as a parent, you're, you're there for, for your child, you know. And, and so I just told him, I said, you know, I remember wanting him to play real young, but it wasn't something he wanted to do right away. So I said, well, when you're ready, you know, you come to me. And which is interesting because he was like myself. My first love really wasn't basketball. It was football, you know. And it just kind of happened that I ended up playing basketball with for me, you know, I, I wasn't the, the typical kid that just loved playing basketball. Football was my game. And if you ask people from my hometown that knew me back then, they might have said I might have had a better career as a football player. So for him, he started out playing football, and then he just he grew more into the love for basketball. So it's it was definitely a unique experience for me as an individual. Just 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 a lot of pride, a lot of pride, and to see a young man. Uh, grow into a man that he is today. I, I'm truly blessed. There's no other way of putting it. You know, you, you, you put in the work, but it doesn't always turn out that way. So uh, for me, uh, um, I'm truly blessed. I got three sons, and all three of them are, are, are very unique individuals, and but uh, they are just uh, very good men, and I thank God for that. And their mother. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and their mom. Mainly the mom. You know. Man, coming here from Andre Hawkins, played Syracuse Orange men's basketball from 81 to 85. Uh, having three boys, family life, like you said, uh, your wife, and you know you have a business with your wife, so you know you see her at work, you see her at home, and then having your three boys. What's it been like being a husband and being a father? 
Well, it's it has challenges, you know. It has challenges, obviously, and we all all deal with them. And uh, you have your ups and your downs, but you uh, if you start out, you keep keep your heart right, keep your head right. You know, it's nowhere you can't go. And for me, as an individual, I'm I'm just very thankful. I'm humble and and thankful every day. You know that uh, God has. Uh, you know, seem uh, fit to let me let me be here and be a part of this world. You know, what is your best advice as a married person, and what is your best advice as a parent? Oh, you know, I think um, you know. I've been once again. I've been blessed to have people around me. You know, it took me a long time to realize. Um, I'm just a deputy to my sheriff. You know, she's my sheriff. She and and I have no problem with that. I, I believe I'm trying. To, I, I try to be the head of my household. There's no problem with that. But um, you know, when you, uh, I guess for me, I, I feel like um, calm. I'm trying to think of the right word here, but uh, you know, peace and peace is is underrated you know and you should always have peace in your in your home so whether with your kids or with your with your own parents or with your wife peace is what I, I believe in you know think before you speak because once spoken cannot be taken back you know I've always believed in that because you say things and then you say later, oh, I didn't mean it. Well, you shouldn't have said it. So think before you speak. I think that that advice is fantastic. Uh, it's very true. Once you put something out there, whether you meant it or not, it's out there then. And think before you speak. I mean, that's incredible. I, I have nothing to say to that other than the fact that I agree. And I think that you know people listening and, and watching should take that in just as much as i have uh, speaking here with andre hawkins this morning on wake up call inside of the cafe kubal studios andre your teammates let, let's talk about some of these guys uh rafael addison uh, gene waldron the late great pearl washington uh, wendell alexis uh, greg monroe howard trish sonny spira eric santifer gene waldron or i said gene but um Gene will be happy I mentioned him twice, but <laughs> but what can you uh, what can you say about you know these these teams that you had and the guys that you got to share the you know practices with and 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 Derek Brower as well I want to mention him um, you know guys that you got oh, to yeah. share practice with as as well as uh, you know play with and be in the locker room with be on campus with what can you say about uh, the teams that you had and the relationships and the bonds that you uh, that you, you forgot Ronnie Cycli too. You you meant and then Howie Trish. I mean, I, Greg Monroe. I mean, we we it was a great team, you know, and a great time. Herman Henry, you know, we. I, I remember all the guys. I mean, I remember the walk-ons. I mean, we we just it, it was it, you know you, you don't realize how special it is until after. You know, I, I thank God for memories for sure. You know. Uh, 
I wasn't always as spiritual as I am today. <laughs> so, you know, you go through enough things and you realize that, you know, what you what you had and what you have, you should, you, you've got to appreciate. You know, Sonny Sparrow, man, just, you know, I was thinking about him today. And, and you know, this guy, him and Sean Kearns, you know, they, they were very uh, instrumental in, in, in helping me graduate, you know, in the sense that not, not doing anything directly, but just their, their work ethic. You know, when you get up and you're in a dorm room and you, you look down and you're right next door to, you know, a teammate, and it's 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and they're still studying, you know. And when you when you come from a... When you didn't have that that background that that taught you how to study, yeah, you know it, it, it's something that you know you hope that you pick up, and and I did, thank God I did, you know, because if not, you know you you, you then you're wasted, you know you've wasted the four years of being there. You've got to get your degree. I really believe that. So I mean, to the kids that are out there right now that are doing the one and done you know they go to college because they have to and not because necessarily they want to but they go because they got to have that one year you just said you got to get that degree so what would be your words of advice to players that are just looking to go to play college ball for a year as a means to get to the nba what would you say well the thing that i think you got to read you know because i mean the truth be told college and any any education just means you you have the ability to learn you know whatever whatever the job is out there you you have the ability to learn and for for those guys whether you're going to the nbdl or whatever they call it now you know developmental league or you decide to go overseas or like you say the one and done you still got to understand money so you, you need to take either some classes or hopefully you, you get the right agents because you need to understand where your money is going and how your money is being made. And then, you know, because money comes and goes, you know, the game, your one, unfortunately, break or, or, or tear away from maybe not being the player that you are. So, you know, you have to realize that, unfortunately, there is a tomorrow. And there is a, there's going to come a time when you're not balling, okay? So when you're not playing or you're not making the money. So, you know, money comes and money goes. I got a sister that says that all the time. Money don't last. So you you gotta um, you got to prepare. You should prepare for the future, you know, and, and that's, that's very important, believe it or not. They're, you know, you kind of live for the moment. Because it's just, it's in a sense so big, you know, you're balling, you're playing, and it's just, you're doing what you love. But for those who are fortunate enough to make money in it, you know, money doesn't last. And, and, and the game eventually is going to pass you by. What do you do then? How do you handle that? That's, that's a big question, you know. How do you handle when you're not the star anymore? And, and you know, it goes on. That's what. That's how you handle it. Life goes on. You continue to go forward, and hopefully, you you develop some relationships that you have friends that you, that that are there, and you just enjoy yourselves. 
you know, and that's that's part of life too. So there's so many lessons to be learned, I guess. You know, but uh, to me, you know, you got to realize that eventually it is going to be over. And and how have you prepared for it? You know. Yeah, you know, and and I think that that's huge. And you said like. You know, when there when there does come an end, I mean, you talked about your faith. You brought up God. What can you say about you know faith being a guide in your life and God being a, a guide in your life and you know being confident enough in it and unafraid to talk about your faith and you know something that I commend commend you on, obviously. Well, for me, you know that that's been a part of me a long time. My my mother instilled that in me and. Uh, you know, she she made me go to church when I was younger, and then I decided to go to church later for myself. And that's what it all boils down to. I, I, I try not to, what I used to call the cram method. You know, I'm not going to cram something down your throat. If you ask me, I'll tell you if we can have a discussion. And, you know, I think Facebook is so funny because, you know, I have people that have all types of, faith or no faith or, or, or you know, their, their way of thinking from, you know, whatever religion, you know, but I, I, I feel like there's, I'm okay with agreeing to disagree. Yeah. You know, once you realize you're not going to change my opinion, then what? You know, and I'll tell you, well, you know, that was nice. That was a good speech, but this is how I still feel. So, you know, I have a lot of faith in God and in and, and my situation. You know, you may not as an individual or, or a person, but that's on you. I, I can tell you, I can try to help you, I can try to show you things, but once you decide that that's not something that you're, you know, it, it's for you, then that's that's on you as an individual. So, and I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with that, you know. So, but you may not be with me, and that, and we can move on. I used to tell people all the time, if you like me today, you'll probably like me tomorrow. And if you don't like me today, you probably won't, because I really don't change. Yeah. I'm still the same person, you know. Just I, I hope to believe that I've matured, but I'm still the same person I was. So, <laughs> you know, in that regard, you know. I had a guy tell me a long time ago, we were hanging out, and he's like, man, you're different. I said, well, I hope so. I'm, I'm not that 20, 16 to 20-year-old that I was. I'm now 35 or whatever it was at the time, you know. So you, you, you try to evolve and, and grow. But, you know, for me, you know, I thank God every morning I wake up. I'm just very appreciative, and I realize that uh, I've had a lot of special things happen in my life that I've been blessed and I've had some rough times too you know things I don't understand why it happened but I mean in some ways it, 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 you know like they say what doesn't uh, kill you makes you stronger but I also think what what, what doesn't kill you hurts sometimes <laughs> so you have to realize that it's okay you know yeah you know and, and I, I think you bring up a lot of great points, you know what I mean, and and like uh, like you said, what doesn't kill you make you strong makes you stronger, but it also hurts, and you know we have to elevate from that. We got to get past it. This country, Andre, uh, is hurting, and you and I know it. I am completely disappointed in some people. I'm confused. 
um, you know, in a way it, you know, it, it hurts my heart and I don't have hate in my heart. I don't hate anybody. Exactly. I don't hate people that hate me. I don't know why people would hate me because I try to be nice to everybody. Uh, you know, I just, I look at, I look at life and I say, you know, I don't have prejudice. I don't have hate. I don't have uh, racism and sexism. I believe everybody should have freedom. I believe everybody should live their dreams. I believe everybody should be good people. You know, I believe that uh, if you're not hurting anybody, love who you want to love, do what you want to do. If your dog is your kid, your dog is your kid. If you want to love this person, love that person. You want to live here, go live there. So uh, what, what can you say about this world right now? What do we need to... You know, like, what do we need to do and what's on your mind? Because I'm a positive guy and I've worked very hard to be a positive guy. And sometimes when I think about this world, like, straight up, I, I sometimes I want to sit and cry. I do. And I think I think there's a lot of stuff that I just feel like we need to get better. So I want to open the floor to you for that. Well, I, you know, the, the, man, you know, there, there's a lot going on, as we know. We, there's a lot. And people have, obviously, with with 70 million people voting one way and 74 million people voting another way, or whatever the numbers turn out to be, and and it's a clash. And what what I feel like like what you're saying of what seems to be polar opposites. So, you know, not to try to dissuade somebody one way or the other but we, we got to come together you know i can't remember who said it but you know when you're divided you know you fall you got to have a, a, a sense of unity a sense of where we're going as a as a country you know it is i, I, I you know without knowing what you're, you're thinking it is very sad it has been very sad for for the last few years as far as I'm concerned, and I'm, I've got people that I had not unfriended. I've only unfriended one person, and that was a person that started basically telling me how I got to think, you know. And I'm like, you know what? I give you the you know choice to think any way you want to think. If you can explain to me how and why you feel that way, maybe I may be swayed. More than likely, I won't, but I may, you know, and that one person that I unfriended on Facebook was like, you know, going to tell me how I should feel. And I'm like, you know, once you realize that, it, like I said, agree to disagree, if you can't live with that, then you need to go. You know, you need to go because I'm not trying to uh, make you feel a certain way. And if you decide not to, it's it's okay with me. You know, but that's on you. But as as a, as a world, I, I want us to come together versus being apart. You know, I was like I said, I was blessed. I've been brought up by a mom and dad. Unfortunately, my father died when I was younger, so a lot of my teachers and coaches became my surrogate fathers, and, and, and I've got a ton of big brothers and older brothers, mentors that uh, that didn't preach hate. That were brought up in in the fifties and and sixties, and, and, and we're talking about black men that did not preach hate. So, and they dealt with a lot more than I dealt with, you know, a lot more. And they pre they preached 
nothing but unity and love. So, you know, I, I feel sad for people. I feel sad for a lot of them out there that don't that don't have that or didn't have that in their lives because we all know, unfortunately, hate is taught. Yeah, hate is taught. You know, whether I guess whatever experiences you may have had that brings you to that point to where you hate a person because of whatever differences they have. Um, I'm I'm sorry. I feel sad for you. I have nothing but pity for you. But you know, as as a, as my faith and God, He tries to unify, not uh, divide. So I, I don't get it. Not to try to preach to people, but um, that's that's just my take on it. You know, so you got to take care of your own, and then hopefully you can take care of others. Yeah, you know, and I think that that's an incredible way to look at things, and I appreciate that so very much that you know you share that tonight or to you know today on the show and you know and 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 gave this to people that can go back and listen to it at night during the day you know whenever whenever they have the opportunity to uh, to be able to go back and and hear these positive things and these positive words that go so far beyond sports and that's why you know wake up calls tagline is where sports meets life because you know these conversations open open so many doorways and I really appreciate those words, and I commend them. Uh, to, to spin back to basketball here for a second, uh, when you played for Syracuse, you went 16-13 and 13 in your first season, went to the NIT. Uh, after that, you went to the NCAA tournament the other three years as a sophomore, junior, and senior. You played every game. That that you possibly could on the team. I mean, you were out there. Uh, so you play. You play. You started every game you played in. 123 games uh, that you played. 123 starts. You played as a, a true freshman. You played all the way through. Going back to those times, three NCAA tournaments, one NIT. I know you had uh, you know some awesome games against rivals like Georgetown and whatnot. Uh, you know, 21 or 22 and nine season, uh, 23 and nine season, 21 and 10 season. What can you know? What can you tell me about all of those and maybe some of those rivalries? Because I know that I know that you had some moments with Georgetown, as I expect many Syracuse players to have. Well, you know, it it, it, it kind of it's so crazy because. Years later, you know, we, we obviously, I had uh, the incident with uh, Michael Graham and uh, in Georgetown, you know, and it, it was wild because now we're uh, friends on Facebook and I find out, you know, that here it is, this guy who was kind of like, you know, the, uh, one of the big adversaries and, of course, Georgetown, we're born on the same day, the same year, <laughs> you know? So I guess we're kind of like somewhat the same person for, for our teams, you know? Yeah. I always thought of myself as, as, a, as basically our enforcer, you know? Meaning like if, if a big guy got, like, I wasn't out on the court when uh, Pearl and Ewing had their incident. You know, I, I wish I was. I couldn't run out there because I didn't want to get ejected. You know, I'll never forget it. When it happened, you know, we, we all jumped up, and I wanted to go out there so bad, but I wasn't on the court. But, you know, the thing is, I guess, 
there were a lot of lot of a uh, lot of big games, and we played, and we and we tried to win every one of them. You know, like my mother said, you can't win them all, and unfortunately, uh, to win, somebody's got to lose. You know, I felt like we we came out on top more times than we came out on the bottom, and but. You know, you, you, you battled and, and you battled with your teammates and, and it's just you, you come out a different person, you know, and you, you 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 work hard and you see the other guy working hard and you're trying to work harder so that you know that you're you're able to play. And and you, you hope that the coaches have the confidence to put you in the game. So you know, we uh like I said, we, you, when you reflect back on it, you realize how blessed you are, you know, to have been a part of, of a team and, and the experiences that we had. So, you know, it took a lot of getting used to, you know, I ain't going to say getting used to, because I don't think you ever get used to losing. But, you know, I lost more games my first year than I had my whole three years of high school. You know, and the only reason I didn't play four years of high school is because uh, I got an injury my freshman year. And a lot of people don't know, I play, I basically played blind in one eye my whole career at Syracuse. So, you know, that's that's just a no, whole nother story. <laughs> yeah, and going to that, you know, the fact that at Syracuse you played basically blind in one eye, how did you do that? How did I mean? How did you even function in, in in normal life, dealing with dealing with you know blindness in one eye? Let alone play at Syracuse. Let alone play in what is considered football games on the court against the Big East. You know, I mean, how how did you handle playing blind in one eye? Oh, you do, you do what you got to do. You know, you don't think about it. Uh, as a handicap or, or disadvantage, you just work hard. If anything, you work harder, you know, to compensate because I, I had to swivel more, you know, because you don't have that peripheral vision, you know, like um, everybody else has. You know, you, you, you're keeping your head moving. You're always touching. You're always feeling. And, you know, so... <laughs> For me, it was it was just something that I you know you you did you, you know it's like most things in life you, you get up you don't really think about the the fact that you're breathing you, you know but it's something that's just natural and, and you and you you do it so you know people I think that 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 a uh, little bit more conscious as to what's going on you know maybe appreciate things a little bit more and that's what I try to do try to appreciate things a little bit more so yeah but you know the big east that's it's i'm i'm, I'm saddened like a lot of people that uh the league went uh well, that we're no longer part of the league i guess the big east is now back and you know they're, they're bringing teams back and i think uconn is back in the big east now so it's going to be interesting uh, it, it'll never be the same though never be the same 
Yeah, you know, and, and I agree with you on that. I think a lot of people miss it. I mean, you played in it. I grew up, and that's all I knew. Uh, being a part of the Big East at the beginning of the Big East, what does it mean to you to not only be a part of Big East history with Syracuse in the Big East, but to be a part of those moments, those initial moments, those great matchups, those fantastic players and great teams and historic rivalries? I mean, you were writing history before you even knew that you were writing history. Yeah. I like to tell people that's when we were the beast of the East. You know, I feel like we, 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 um, you know, there was a picture posted today of, um, well, was it today or yesterday of, um, uh, Tony Bruin, uh, myself, uh, Eugene Waldron and Robert Dixon. And it was just, those was you, you like you say you don't realize they're special times you know they're special times playing in Madison Square Garden playing at the Boston Garden you know against uh Boston College you know those, those were historic times you don't you don't realize it obviously at the time all it is is hey we, we got a game Tuesday night hey we got a game Saturday you know so you, you just go out there and play you know People always used to ask me, who do I think was my toughest player? And, you know, they said, was it Ewing? Was it, you know, Elijah? My toughest player I played against was Wayman Tisdale. And it was the toughest because without a shot clock, all they cared about was waiting until Wayman got open. I could stop him one time. I could stop him two times. I may, And then I'm, I'm a little slow the third time, and it's over. You know, because they're gonna get him. They're gonna get him the ball. You know, and and you know, so you, when you think back on on some of the players that you played against, you know, it it, it was just it's just phenomenal. It's it's got in some ways it's mind blowing. You know, you you get you get like you know the goosebumps because you think about when you play. You know and. I laugh because you said, well, you know, how do you transition? You, you you have no choice, you know. Physically, you may not even be able to do the things that you did, but your mind is always, always there, you know. Your mind is always, always in the game, you know. So, I don't know. It, for me, I guess I'm just, uh, I realize how blessed, you know, I was to have played and to have started, you know. Or a team like Syracuse, you know, and the tradition that, that, that Syracuse had, you know. You know, and guys are before us. Yeah, you know, and I, I think it's incredible what you got to do. And you were saying that the guys before you, what were saying about that? Well, you know, the, the, uh, um, I was just thinking about the fact that when they had the final four down here, you know, I got to take a picture with uh, Rose Bowie and Danny Shades, you know. And here it is. That's, that's basically, you know, almost, was it, nine years of center right there. The, the three, uh, at that time, three starting centers. So, you know. It was, uh, it just, it just, no, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel good. 
That coming from Andre Hawkins, 81-85 player for Syracuse Orange men's basketball history. Uh, two final points here, Andre, on an incredible conversation that uh, I genuinely can't thank you enough for. I'm so happy that we got to have you on the air, and I really don't have the words. I'm you. You've opened up so many doors that I kind of just want to like bring you back on every week and talk about it. But you know, I mean, it's it's. It's really cool. Uh, I do want to get to Syracuse's schedule this year. Uh, it's going to be different. Obviously, they didn't start in, at the end of October. No Halloween game. Uh, no preseason. They are only playing a few, uh, see, you know, games that are out of conference. So uh, yeah. and and so you know that's going to be different. Uh, a lot of this is going to be ACC play, but Syracuse is going to get to play a few different teams here. And what's cool about it, I mean, they'll play Bryant, the Bulldogs. And the cool thing about that is uh, Luke Sutherland, who actually played for, uh, you know, what's uh, what's really cool, Luke Sutherland played for West Genesee here in Camillus, New York, in Central New York. And he is now a Bryant Bulldog. So, you know, he'll be on one side when they come into the Dome on November 27th on a Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. But Syracuse uh, will play them out of conference. They'll play Rutgers. In the ACC Big Ten Challenge, they'll play a Buffalo team that's been pretty darn good lately. And they will play Georgetown on January 9th inside of the Dome. What are your thoughts on this season, uh, knowing that Corona has changed so many things, caused us to ad-lib a lot of stuff in life, uh, but still knowing that Syracuse will not only have a season, but that they will uh, focus a lot on the ACC, yet they will have teams like Rutgers and Georgetown back on the schedule? Well, I mean, to me, I'm like most, I'm like, like I said before, I'm now, I'm a fan. So to be able to sit back and, and watch and see how this whole thing develops and, you know, obviously we hear about the uh, possible uh, vaccine. So it's going to be in, oh, in one second. Doing an interview. Uh, excuse me there. Um, you, uh, you got a lot of things, a lot of challenges. You know, you got a lot of challenges, and, and, and hopefully, with everything that's going on, you know, they'll be able to stay safe. That's that's a number one for these young men. So, and then the coaches and the and all the, the different people. But it's obviously it's going to be so different with, with fans, without fans, how they how they decide. So, I mean, I'm I'm like everybody else. I'm sitting back waiting to see, but chomping at the bit to see some basketball so yeah and i'm excited to see that as well and hopefully we'll get to do that very soon here a final thing here andre i flip the script and i hand the mic to you it's called rapid fire and because you're so used to being interviewed as a player uh, i i in the spirit of fairness flip the script and let you be the interviewer so it could be about sports, could be about anything. You get three questions to ask me. You can ask me anything in the world, but I have to answer them. What do you got for me? Oh, wow. Well, one quick question. How many kids do you have? I I am not married, and I have no kids currently. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Can't go with my follow-up question. <laughs> uh, I would like to be a father yeah. someday, but I had not yet. Oh. Okay. Okay. Um, what keeps What keeps you in the cold? 
Uh, it's my hometown. You know, I love Syracuse. I was just talking about this recently. You know, to me, I have the best of both worlds. And so, you know, I get to be in my hometown. I got to start my company here. Uh, hard to believe that was eight and a half years ago, but uh, to start my own business here, my own multimedia company, and be in my own roots and build something special in my hometown and my home community in central and upstate New York that I love. And at the same time, I get to travel. So I get to see the world while being in my hometown, which I think is incredible, and I wouldn't change it. Oh, no, that is very true. And roots are very good. So, yeah, that is very good. Okay, I get what? One more question? Yes. Let me see here. Okay. Um, let me see. I don't know if I have a question as much as a, a shout out to Mr. Sonny Sparrow. You know that that's my man, and and I I really just one more comment. You know I I, I was blessed to have come in with Sonny, and also um, Peter Wynn, who has passed away now. God rest his soul. A uh, good man, very good man, and also I do believe uh, Chris Lewis also came in with us that same year. So uh, just a shout out to those guys and uh, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate that. You know, it's funny, I haven't had the opportunity to be interviewed, but I was a speech communications major. So talking, I guess, is one of the things I do. So but thank you very much, Dan, for having me on. Andre, it's been my absolute, my absolute, absolute pleasure. And I have a lot of gratitude for this moment. I really hope that people uh, take some time to listen to your words and then rewind it and listen to them again. Uh, this has been awesome, and I can't thank you enough. The only thing I would ask you is uh, I'd love to have you back on the show sometime soon if you'd like to come back. Oh, no, no problem. Yeah, if we could work it out, I'd be more than happy to come on. All right, man. Well, listen, take care of yourself. God bless with the business, your wife, your your boys, and, and you know your whole family, and living your dreams. I hope the best for you. I hope you stay safe, and I'm very honored that I got to talk with you today. And like I said, uh, much appreciation and thanks to you, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Okay, you take care, and thank you, and I'll, I'll be back on when you have